Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Hey guys, it's Morgan Zeggers. Welcome back to the show. Today we're going over Rand Paul's 2022 Festivus report. He releases one every year, basically talking about wasteful government spending. And it would be ridiculous for me to not highlight this one. Have you ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store, but then you go to use it and it's not very absorbent? Basically, it's a towel hanging out to dry. That's why MyPillow developed the MyPillow Towels. Towels that work. I know it's mind-blowing. Towels that actually dry you. Their six-piece towel set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. They come in a variety of colors. And right now, you can receive a six-piece towel set for only $39.98 with promo code MORGAN. Go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener special. MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty, and they have a 60-day money-back guarantee as well. To receive this amazing offer of the six-piece towel set with a discount, go to MyPillow.com and use promo code MORGAN. That's promo code MORGAN. Thanks, guys. That being said, let's get started by just reading kind of his explanation of it, because once again, I know I say this all the time, but we shouldn't put politicians on pedestals. While I say that, I also think it's important to highlight when they do good things or when we see positive things out of D.C. It's very rare, right? I really like to give credit to the House Freedom Caucus. Some people are against them. Others think they're fantastic. I think they do some great stuff. And when we look back to our founders' original intention for our country, what they wrote when it was the Federalists versus the Anti-Federalists drafting the Constitution, working to get it ratified, and then coming up with that compromise of adding the Bill of Rights— We had such a wonderful vision for where this country was going to go. And then we look at it these days and it's like, what happened? Well, I would say we have drifted just so far away from what those founders that that wrote the structure of the government rooted in a constitutional republic, rooted in federalism with a separation and balance of power, all that kind of stuff. We've just drifted so far away from it that our government now, we can't even recognize it. Okay, it's just a completely different thing. I think that's, I don't want to be negative, but I would say one of the biggest black pills that I've gotten, you could say, is just being highly disappointed in our country. And what I mean by that is we have so many problems that in our school system, I think this is all intentional. In our school system, we are taught to think that there is no better way to do it. America is at the top. And while I do agree that we have it made, we have won the lottery by being born in this country, I think our government tries to indoctrinate us into thinking that everything is okay. Everything is hunky-dory. There's no problems to deal with. We aren't being lied to by our government. All those conspiracy theories, they're wrong. Our government would never hurt us. All this stuff that we are like the land of the free, when in reality we are spied on, we take We have 30% of our income taken by the government. We're taxed over every single thing. A lot of these are really serious problems. And I think it all goes to indoctrination to to make us think that, oh, this is the land of the free, home of the brave. We have no problems at all. And our government would never, ever try to hurt its own citizens. Now, okay, I'm going on a rant. Let's get back to this. This is the message in the beginning of the Festivus report. 
Okay, Rand Paul says, Happy Festivus. How is 2022 already coming to a close? What a year it's been. It's safe to say that some big changes have occurred since last year's Festivus report. Last Festivus, we lamented over the national debt reaching an astronomical $28.4 trillion. Shockingly, in one short year, the career politicians and bureaucrats in Washington have managed to breeze right past $30 trillion without so much as a second thought. The debt has risen so rapidly that the Congressional Budget Office projects that within the next 30 years, there is not a single year in which the federal budget will balance. Who's to blame? One need not look further than the $3.5 trillion that the big government politicians in Congress spent on the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which ultimately does nothing to truly combat rising inflation rates. Worse, those same big spenders have just teamed up to pass a pork-laden $1.9 trillion omnibus spending package for 2023, released in the dead of night, voted into law without anyone having actually read it. That's right. Our government works in a way that right before Christmas, we are put in a very tight bind of $1.9 trillion being added up together in a package that nobody actually reads before voting on. So what could be put into that, you guys? Like, think of, think of what people's worst intentions could potentially be. And then imagine if something got snuck in and everybody just assumed, oh, okay, well, this is what we read in the draft, so we should be fine. We don't have to read it. Like, just think of the worst kind of human behavior and then think, wow, it's actually pretty possible for something bad to happen here. Now, let's do a little hat flashback, too, to what our founders intended for the legislature. Because did our founders intend for our legislature to add a ton of pork to an omnibus spending package where all the things that need to be paid for in the entire country for one year get added to one big bill and then everybody just votes on it thousands and thousands of pages without actually reading it. They're just happy that they got their things for their area put into the bill and they don't really care about what else. Is that what our founders intended? No. Our founders intended for the legislature, those are the people that get elected every two years or every six years, they're the ones who were given the power to decide how much should be spent on each program or or thing done by the government and how much should be taxed and what kind of things should be made into laws. They were given this power to handle the money, the taxpayer dollars, because they are the ones directly held accountable by the voters every two and six years. They're the ones, the legislature specifically, not the judicial branch, not the executive branch. And that was for a reason, because they are directly held accountable by us. But this all hinges on the concept that, first of all, our, our citizens that vote in these elections will hold these people accountable and not have the memories of a grasshopper and not have the memory of a one month child where we forget what is going on every hour. And we we look at the next big current event story that's taking our attention, the next big news headline. And then we forget a week later. I mean, remember when Afghanistan happened and we thought, like, could, could this get any worse? And then what do you know? The vaccine mandate thing happened and everybody's attention switched right off of that crisis to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Our founders, and this goes back to the Federalist, if you read Charles Kessler's version, in the beginning of it, he talks about how our founders wrote this government where it was really only sustainable. Our Constitution could only be ratified and upkept by a, an enlightened public, by an educated, enlightened public interested in doing the work that it took to keep the republic going. We lack that, right? And so I know that a lot of this right now is kind of out of our hands. 
it, it's easy to be like, well, let's just all become smart citizens ready to to care about these things and vote in the elections. Well, they kind of have control of all of the institutions now, and we don't have much faith in our election system anymore. And things are so out of our hands in so many ways that it feels a little overwhelming. And so it's not as simple as, well, let's all just become responsible citizens once more. It's going to be a long generational solution. Okay, back to the point, though. Okay, this is a big number, but Rand Paul says this year I am highlighting a whopping four hundred and eighty two billion two hundred and seventy six million five hundred and forty three thousand and nine hundred and seven dollars of waste, including a steroid induced hamster fight club, a study to see if kids love their pets, a study of the romantic patterns of parrots and so much more. No matter how much money's already been wasted, politicians keep demanding even more. As always, the path to fiscal responsibility is often a lonely journey. But as I've done in the years past, I will continue my fight against government waste this holiday season. So before we get into the feats of strength, it's time for my airing of spending grievances. I have a lot of problems with federal spending, and now you're going to hear all about them. So. Now it goes into a list, and we're going to go through the list, you guys, because it's fascinating. It's also tax season. It's the beginning of tax season, at least. So if you are being responsible, then you should be keeping an eye on your books, and you're about to be aware of of how much money you've given to the government in 2022 and what exactly it went to and what you're going to be given over soon as April comes. All right. So this is the waste of 2022. Number one. Giving ineligible citizens COVID economic injury disaster grants, SBA, that was $4.5 billion. Using COVID relief funds to construct an 11,000 square foot spa, $140 million. Using COVID relief funds to purchase luxury cars, $31.5 million. Wisconsin school using COVID relief funds to upgrade turf fields. $1.6 million. Camouflage uniforms that do not fit the Afghanistan environment. (laughs) $28 million. Funding a 1.5 mile park in Austin, Texas, used for yoga and concerts. $9 million. Starbucks espresso machines at the DOD. $192,000. Interest payments on the debt. This is with the Treasury. $475 billion of interest payments on our debt. Maintaining 77,000 empty federal buildings. $1.7 billion. Basic education programs in the country of Jordan. $210 million. Expanding the Washington, D.C. streetcar that's rarely used and unreliable. I never took this thing when I lived in D.C. $175 million. Helping illegal immigrants avoid deportation. (laughs) Helping the... (laughs) Sorry. Helping illegal immigrants avoid deportation is $168 million. Mismanaged and untracked fuel purchases, $70 million. Subsidizing the free New York State Staten Island Ferry, $70 million. Overpaying government contractors for a terminated contract, $69 million. East Baton Rouge unused federal housing grants, $13 million. Boosting the Tunisia travel sector during COVID-19, $50 million. 
unused hotel rooms for illegal immigrants. $17 million. Constructing a Gandhi museum. $3 million. Watching hamsters fight on steroids. $3 million. Super Bowl commercials telling you to fill out your census. (laughs) $2.5 million. Injecting, here you go, injecting six-month-old beagle puppies with cocaine. $2.3 million. Encouraging Ethiopians to wear shoes. $2.1 million. Training mice to binge drink alcohol. You heard that right. Training mice to binge drink alcohol. $1.1 million. Studying the romance between parrots. $689,000. Studying the social life and collective intelligence of ants. $675,000. Using mice to study racial aggression. $519,000. Redeveloping the United States hard cider market. $491,000. A radio campaign telling drivers to stop at railroad crossings. $200,000. Verifying that kids love their pets. $187,000. Researching if Thanos could snap his fingers wearing the Infinity Gauntlet. $118,000. $118,000. That's right, people. So we're going to read just a few of these, and maybe we'll go into it in a future episode as well. But we're going to do some some deep dives into some of these studies, because I know that I just read them all out, but he gives a full breakdown of why we spent some money in this way. Okay? So this is what the first one was. The real disaster. The Small Business Association made $4.5 billion worth of improper COVID-19 economic injury disaster loans. Rand Paul says by now, there has been a steady stream of reports revealing fraud within federal government COVID-19 relief programs, such as when we revealed in our 2021 Festivus report that the Department of Labor wasted $36 billion in fraudulent unemployment insurance payments. That comes as no surprise. In an ill-conceived and hasty effort to combat the pandemic, Congress spent $4.5 trillion across 43 agencies with little to no oversight or accountability. One such scheme was the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security CARES Act and the Paycheck Protection Program and Healthcare Enhancement Act providing $20 billion for emergency economic injury disaster loan grants. These are EIDL grants. EIDL is an emergency grant program that provides small businesses and private nonprofits grants up to $10,000. The Small Business Administration Office of Inspector General conducted a review of processed emergency grants, EIDL grants, which revealed that the SBA paid $4.5 billion more in these emergency grants to sole proprietors and independent contractors than they were entitled to receive based on the policy. So that's $4.5 billion that went out to people that shouldn't have gotten it. In November, a 2020 report found that of the total 117,000 grants that were recognized as having a high likelihood of improper payment, 44,000 grants, or 38% of them, have been identified as potential fraud risks in reports. You read that right. 38.3% of all emergency disbursements during COVID for these EIDL disbursements 
went to ineligible participants, almost 40% of them. To be eligible to receive one of these grants, a business must not have any current federal debarments or suspensions and is required to disclose any delinquent or defaulted federal loans or debts in the last seven years. So how did 44,000 people manage to slip through the cracks? The SBA simply concluded that the agency did not implement adequate pre-award controls and recommended that the administration implement existing prepayment and pre-award procedures in the future. (laughs) In other words, SBA couldn't even be bothered to observe its own existing rules. And do you think the SBA ever recovered those funds, even though they were recommended to do so? Of course not. Here's another one. Broward County, Florida, spent $140 million in COVID-19 relief funds to construct a luxury hotel and spa. When you think of the money the federal government spent on COVID-19 relief, what comes to mind, says Rand Paul? Certainly not a luxurious spa day. Well, put your feet up and get ready for this one. Broward County, Florida used $140 million in COVID-19 relief funds to construct an 800-room luxury hotel overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. That includes 30,000 square feet of pool decks, a rooftop bar, and even an 11,000-square-foot spa and fitness center. The effort is part of a larger $1 billion project to expand Broward County Convention Center in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And while the Treasury Department ostensibly bans businesses from using COVID-19 relief aid on large capital projects, in February 2022, a county board meeting of officials schemed together to find a way around the rule. The money was transferred to the county's general fund and described as a federal payment to cover lost tax revenue. The money was then returned from the general fund back to the project. The intent of COVID-19 pandemic relief programs was to help struggling businesses endure the financial impact of the bureaucratic government-mandated lockdowns. But good intentions aren't enough. The obscene reality is that local politicians in Florida swindled taxpayers for tens of millions of dollars for the benefit of a luxury hotel and spa. What about this one? More than $31.5 million in COVID relief funds were used to purchase luxury cars. Since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, the United States government has spent nearly $4.5 trillion on relief aid, and unsurprisingly in December, the United States Secret Service revealed that more than $100 billion of it was stolen from COVID-19 relief programs or considered fraudulent. In fact, four people managed to use over $31.5 million in COVID relief funds to purchase luxury cars. You got that right. You helped four people, one of whom isn't even a U.S. citizen, purchase luxury cars. I'm talking really expensive cars here, people. Porsches, Ferraris, and even Lamborghinis. One managed to purchase a whole fleet of luxury cars using $17 million. Yes, you read that right. $17 million of taxpayer money which included a Corvette Stingray, a Porsche, sorry, you guys, I'm not a car person. It says Porsche M-A-C-A-N, sorry to the people that like cars and are disappointed in me, and a Bentley convertible. Of that, the federal government has only recouped $7.2 million. Another man has used $5 million in Paycheck Protection Program money to purchase a Lamborghini and Ferrari, among other luxury cars. So while many Americans were stuck at home making banana bread and watching Tiger King, these individuals were living it up with the top down in their fancy cars. Next one says federal government spends $28 million on camouflage that you can see. (laughs) A special inspector general for Afghanistan reconstruction, Saigar, 
report revealed that the Department of Defense spent roughly $28 million on forest-patterned camouflage uniforms to use in the deserts of Afghanistan. (laughs) It was later found that the camouflage uniforms were not based on an evaluation of its appropriateness for the Afghan environment. After nearly two decades' worth of spending U.S. blood and treasure in Afghanistan, how do federal bureaucrats still not know what the environment is like? When the Saigar Inspector General John Sopko was interviewed on the matter, he said what we are all thinking. It was a, quote, dumb decision. $28 million. Now, here's the thing, you guys. I know that it's like, oh, it's just numbers. But think of how much money in taxes you pay. And how significant of an amount, even though it's maybe small compared to $28 million, so it's like, uh, who cares? Like, it's just a small drop in the bucket what I pay. Think of what an impact it has on your life. And if you had your federal taxes in your pocket, what kind of impact it would have on you and your spouse and your home and your children and your future? What would you do with that money? Because this is how they treat something like $28 million. For me, it's like, no, I don't make a ton of money, so I don't pay a lot in taxes. I just pay a large proportion of what I earn, and it has a huge impact on my personal life. And I know people that pay a ton in taxes, and I know people who don't pay any because they're still working their way up in life. And it's really an honor and a privilege to be able to be at a place where you can pay taxes, right? So I'm not saying that I'm an anarchist that doesn't believe in this at all. I wish that it was a basic concept where we pay into a system that provides for the people that need it most in our community. It pays for the education of our children. It pays for the the single mothers out there that maybe they're widows and they have children and their, their breadwinner passed away in an unfortunate accident and now they need the support of the community to pay for their bills. To, to get by or the people that are disabled or the elderly that need our help and they don't have families to lean on. This kind of stuff pulls at the heartstrings, right? If we were writing a utopian book of how how we would structure society, wouldn't that be nice where it's like, oh yeah, we all pay a nice 15% and it goes to the most needed people in the community. It keeps everybody going. But what does it do? What does our money do? It goes to people spending $28 million on inappropriate camouflage patterns on uniforms that are never going to be used for a place that we've been in a war in for 20 years. How does a mistake like that happen? How do people make such such flippant, poor decisions with $28 million, where if we had, if we had an extra $1,000 or so every quarter, right? If we had an extra $1,000, imagine a week or a year, do you know how big of a difference that would be in people's lives? I saw a statistic that a majority of Americans don't even have $1,000 in a security account. Do you know how insane it is for me to know that and then read that our government buys $28 million of uniforms with the wrong pattern on it? That alone is enough to start a riot. Mentally. Mentally. A revolution. Mentally. Okay. Mentally. Mentally. Sorry, FBI agent listening to me. I was kidding. Next one says federal government spends $9 million to make Austin, Texas more beautiful. It seems as though the common saying that everything is bigger in Texas rings true even as it relates to federal spending. And in our 2020 Festivus report, we revealed that Galveston Bay, Texas, received $1.4 million in federal funds to construct luxury homes on the Laguna Harbor. It now looks like the Lone Star State is still fighting for more frivolous construction on the federal dime. This time, the reckless spending came from the Army Corps of Engineers through the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, who granted the Waterloo Greenway Conservancy and the city of Austin a $9 million grant for a park 
and the Waterloo Greenway Conservancy. The plan is to plant trees and create a park that spans one and a half miles of an area called the Confluence. The city argues that the park will clean and cool the surrounding metropolitan air. However, they are also advertising the park as a venue for yoga and self-care sessions. Maybe Austin can plant some Uncle Sam a money tree while we're at it. Now, here's the thing. You might be like, Morgan, why are you so against a park? I believe that things need to be appropriately allocated when we are spending taxpayer dollars. I believe in the original intent of the Constitution, you guys. I'm sorry. But if you as a community or a state want to invest in, like if Texas wants to invest, if Austin, Texas wants to invest in creating a park because they can afford it, it would be a strong investment, then they need to do that as Texas, the state, or Austin, Texas, the city, or even the county that it is in. But it is not a responsibility of the federal government. Do you see how that's the big issue here when we're talking about spending federal dollars? Same thing with the Florida thing. It's like if they if they want to invest in building things in their state, in their county, in their city or town, then they need to find the funds to do that at their level. But what happens is you have all of this pork that's added in to an omnibus spending package to federal legislation. But our Constitution should only be the focus. Whatever is allocated to the federal government and the Constitution, that's the goal here. But why did we get away from this? Let's go back to those original concepts we've talked about throughout the last year. When we hear what's going on with the bureaucracy in our nation, it's the fact that our legislature was given the responsibility of taxing people, making legislation, and figuring out what kind of money each section of our government should be allocated, how to spend the taxpayer dollars that they're collecting as a government. But What ended up happening is we created the fourth branch of government, the bureaucracy, which is under the executive branch. So now all these unelected people that aren't connected to the voters, that aren't held accountable by the voters, that aren't taken out of their positions after a certain amount of time or that don't have to be reelected and win our favor, they are given huge amounts of money and told, hey, listen, under this legislation that we have made, we're just going to hand you, unelected people, large sums of money, and we trust you to figure out how to handle it how you want to spend it throughout the nation in each state. And then each state has its own little bureaucratic levels. That's how this has just gotten completely out of control. And we have the federal government taxes being spent on building parks in Austin, Texas, for their own reasons. I have no problem with the government doing something about building a park, but it shouldn't be the federal government taxpayer dollars because it just gets insane. Okay. I feel like a stooge or a Grinch, but in reality, it's like, come on, we have a system of federalism for a reason. And I think this one is interesting. I've got to be honest, I'm not good at finance stuff, so you're going to have to bear with me on this one. But I still think it's interesting and important to know, and I've got to learn more about it. This one says the Department of the Treasury spent $475 billion on interest payments in the fiscal year 2022. Just days before Christmas, the big spenders in Washington jammed through a $1.9 trillion omnibus package for 2023. They released it in the dead of night, allowed for no real debate, and nobody in Washington even read the thing before being asked to vote on it. When this is how Congress funds the government, is it any wonder net interest payments on the debt rose to $475 billion for the fiscal year 2022? That's right. The federal government shelled out nearly a half trillion dollars on interest payments on the debt of the government alone. 
That's money that doesn't buy a pen, a paperclip, or provide any sort of utility for Americans. Once you get up to that large of an amount of money, it becomes difficult to visualize. So how much money is $475 billion exactly? Rand Paul says, well, if you were to count to just $1 billion at a pace of one number per second, it would take you 31 years, 251 days, 7 hours, 46 minutes, and 40 seconds. Now multiply that by 475. It used to be a big deal when Congress spent that much money. When Congress bailed out the banks in 2008, it spent about $700 billion. And that, some argued, was meant to save the entire American economy. Now we're shelling out just about that much without getting a single thing back for it and not even blinking an eye. So think of how much that's changed, you guys. $700 billion in 2008 was going to save our entire nation's economy. And now we spend that much just to pay off our debt. So now we're shelling out just about that much without blinking a single eye for it. And Rand Paul says, is it any wonder we're this far from the hole when Congress uses Christmas as a cudgel to pass this pork-laden spending bill? All right, now let's look at this one. Department of Health and Human Services spent $168 million helping illegal immigrants avoid deportation. What? In 2021, the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Refugee Resettlement provided the Vera Institute of Justice $168 million with a one-year contract to provide free legal services to help illegal immigrants avoid deportation. Per the Vera Institute website, the organization represents and assists unaccompanied immigrants in 20 states with, quote, removal proceedings, developing best practices, and expanding representation to ensure that no child appears in immigration court alone. Of the federal funds received, a vast majority are subcontracted to lawyers who provide legal representation in HHS facilities and immigration courts. In fact, the government has provided the organization with over $1.1 billion of your taxpayer dollars since 2008. The gravy train doesn't seem to be slowing down either, considering the Vera Institute has received more in fiscal year 2022 than ever before. Providing hundreds of millions of your hard-earned dollars to help illegal immigrants actively skirt our immigration laws. What border crisis? <laughs> Did you guys know that? That we pay for lawyers to help people that came here illegally stay here and not get deported after they broke our laws to get here? These are not refugees. All right, now what about this one? I'm very against this kind of spending. Here's a good example. Federal government gives $50 million to encourage tourism in Tunisia. In early 2022, the United States Agency for International Development unveiled the $50 million Visit Tunisia project to encourage more outside tourism to the country. However, it appears that Tunisia doesn't necessarily need our help to begin with, considering their tourism sector generated over $1 billion in 2019. In fact, the country is one of the most visited countries in Africa. You said argues that the agency is focused on the bigger picture, increasing the United States market for Tunisian handicrafts. At least Americans can sleep well at night knowing their federal government cares about tourism in Tunisia. That is, if they aren't already losing sleep over their tax dollars funding such nonsense. That's right, $50 million to boost Tunisian tourism. But it already makes $1 billion for their country. Imagine $50 billion in your community, in your county, in your state. I just don't believe in this kind of spending at all. 
You'd, I'd, I can't even think of a, one example where I would support something like this on an international level. Next one says the government spent over $3 million watching hamsters on steroids fight each other. In fact, since 1996, the National Institutes of Health, NIH, has annually awarded the Northeastern University over $3 million to watch steroid-injected hamsters fight to study whether current drugs for aggressive youth suppress steroid-induced aggression. Instead of treating steroid-induced aggression with even more drugs, don't you think it would be more beneficial for them to stop using steroids altogether? But this entire study raises an obvious question. Should we be injecting steroids in rodents in the first place? What about this one? NIH spends $2.3 million injecting puppies with cocaine. Animal testing requirements are antiquated. That's why I introduced the FDA Modernization Act to end an old, unscientific FDA mandate requiring experimental drugs be tested on animals before humans. But it looks like the feds don't get the same warm, fuzzy feeling toward animals that most of us have. The National Institutes of Health, National Institute on Drug Abuse, gave SRI International $2.3 million to inject beagle puppies with cocaine. Even after getting the money, SRI International didn't have the correct equipment to drug the puppies. So it sent them over to Charles River Laboratories, the same laboratory that received $13.5 million to inject monkeys with Ebola, tuberculosis, and other deadly viruses. Watchdog group White Coat Waste Project, the WCW, revealed that seven six-month-old beagle puppies were implanted with a telemetry unit, used monitor vitals, then were trained to wear a special jacket used to inject them with various drugs, including cocaine. So the puppies were put into little jackets that would inject them with cocaine. Readers may recall in our 2018 Festivus report, I updated everyone on an NIH project spending $874,000 to study the sex habits of Japanese quails on cocaine. What's up with your government's obsession with getting animals high on cocaine? Good question, Rand Paul. Thank you. And about this one, HHS spent $689,000 to study romance between parrots. Readers of the Platinum Pig Awards are well aware that the federal government loves spending tax dollars on research in an attempt to get to the bottom of many of life's biggest mysteries, such as the feelings of love and happiness. As if spending your money to research how humans feel and express love may sound ridiculous enough, the government is now funding research to see how parrots express love. In fact, the Department of Health and Human Services granted Cornell University $689,000 to study social communication in parrots studying patterns such as social outcomes, if they kiss, and how males make sexual advances. I thought this was the Department of Health and Human Services supporting the research. The purpose of the study was to establish parrots as a model for human communication in neuroscience research and evaluate the extent to which how we behave and communicate is shaped by who we choose to hang out with every day. Surely it doesn't take $689,000 to figure out that family and friends significantly impact our mannerisms and behaviors, hence the phrase, you are the friends you keep. I think the federal government needs to keep some more fiscally responsible friends. Okay, and with that, I am done, because this is highly frustrating to read, and I think you get the point. I appreciate you guys tuning in. I hope this one wasn't too much of a headache to listen to, because man, I have a headache now and I need some water. And maybe maybe a little treat. Okay. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe. I'll see you guys next episode. Hope you have a nice start to the new year.